Well, welcome everybody to Legendary Leadership Lessons. I'm your host, Gary Johnson, and I've got another terrific podcast for you today. We have with us Jim Hunter, who wrote the book, The Servant. And if you have not read this book yet, you should. It's uh, over 6 million copies have been sold today. And it's a phenomenal book that we're going to talk to Jim about. We're going to talk about the principles of it and all about servant leadership and how to be a great leader. I'm really, really excited to introduce all of you to Jim Hunter. Hi, Jim. Hi, Gary. Great to talk to you. Oh, gosh, it's my pleasure. I mean, for those people in the audience that don't know, Jim, your book, really, really a great book. And I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to figure out from your perspective, you know, what caused you to decide to write this thing? Can you tell the audience kind of how that all came about? Well, it was, uh, the year was the late 90s. I want to say about 96, 97. My daughter was two years old at the time. And I think I was having a bit of a midlife crisis. I was in my early 40s. And, um, you know, I started thinking, man, if I get hit by a bus, uh, my little girl's not going to know what I teach, what I believe or anything like that. And uh, so I just wanted to write down some thoughts. And so I put it in a story format, and really, I didn't think really much about publishing. I just wanted to set it aside. And uh, then we put it in with her baby stuff. Well, my next door neighbor, who was an executive at Nestle, got a hold of it, and he said, you know, this is pretty good. And I said, you know, it's just a bunch of common sense. I mean, my gosh, who's going to want to publish this? And he said, well, if I were you, I would, uh, you know, I'd run it up the run it up the river. Let's see what see if it's got any legs. And so I sent it out to, to Random House, and they grabbed it. And lo and behold, uh, nobody was more surprised than the success that it had than I was, Gary. Still am. I mean, Jim, six million copies, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of that was overseas, uh, probably, you know, more than half. But ironically, I mean, right now, the servant in the United States is selling more than it's ever sold. 20 or 25 years it was published uh, 98 so exactly 25 years ago last month so it's a crazy thing the thing has legs and i just don't really understand that i mean the ideas really are not my ideas uh, i framed it up i think in a way that people can hear but you know this stuff goes back 2000 years or more i stole it all i'm a thief i admit it so again nobody's more surprised than me gary oh my gosh that's just uh that's an incredible story and um, amazing that it's still working the way it's working today. And especially now seeing it, you know, continuing to have legs in the United States. What do you think is causing there to be, I don't want to know if surge is the right word, but what do you think is causing it to remain so successful? Well, obviously, culture culturally in the U.S., we're, we're struggling a bit. And um you know, I think people are, are looking for something more. Again, I think we things wax and wane like this over the over the decades and centuries. And I think right now people are more in a reflective mode about what leadership really is and what does it really mean to influence people for good and how do we build influence with people and, you know, what gets what gives us the right to lead. So I think it's just, uh, you know, it's just, just the timing. Um you know, it, it's it's funny uh, when uh, the the Brazil and they bought the rights to the book in Brazil in 2005, 
So it had been out like seven, eight years. And uh, it was it was just a complete mega bestseller in Brazil. And nobody to this day knows why. Brazil doesn't, doesn't sell many books. It's not a real book reading country. But that book at the time was selling 50, 60,000 copies a month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Da Vinci Code was selling less than half that, which was the number one bestseller in the world at the time. And nobody could understand why, you know. And, you know, my wife used to say, well, it's just a God thing. If you can explain it, God didn't do it. And and I don't know. As I look back at it, I, I don't know if that's true or not. But there does seem to be timing. It's just things hit at a certain time, Gary, and you don't really understand why or I think it was the Buddha who once said, when the student is ready, the teacher arrived. And so people are ready at different times and different parts of the world. And I think it's the same with the U.S. I think right now people are people are looking for something a little bit more. Um, but, hey, that's above my pay, pay grade, Gary. Hey, Jim, let me ask you this question. I mean, thinking about the book and it being all about servant leadership and what servant leadership looks like and why that matters and serving others. What do you do you think COVID had an impact on leaders maybe reevaluating how to lead and maybe going back to something as strong as servant leadership or or not? You know, I don't know. I think at this point, Gary, it's a little too soon to tell. Um, I have no doubt that there's going to be many impacts for many years um, from COVID that we're, we're we only are only beginning to understand. Uh, including the hybrid and the virtual working, and it's just uh, the remote. Uh, so I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm sure it's played a role. I'm not sure what, but um, I don't know. I don't know, Gary. I think it's a little, little too soon to to really tell the impact that this will have on on the topic of servant leadership. But you know, you know as well as I do, Gary. Servant leadership's been around several thousand years. There's it's nothing new. Uh, I mean, it cracks me up when I go into businesses, even to this day. And people say, well, what's servant leadership got to do with it? And I'm like, well, what do you think we're here to do, dude? <laughs> I mean, what do you think business is? If we don't identify and meet the needs of our customers, we're not going to be able to attract them. We're not going to be able to keep them. I mean, why do we exist? We don't exist to make a profit. That's just a scorecard. The only reason we exist is because we're meeting the needs of our customers. We can attract them. We can keep them. It's the same with our employees. We don't identify and meet the needs of our employees. Guess what? We're not going to be able to attract them, and we're not going to be able to keep them. Now, there's a point to COVID right there, Gary. I think coming out of COVID, people, companies are just scrambling right now to attract, uh, let alone keep people. Uh, right. That completely us. That. Uh, maybe we talked ourselves into a point there. That uh, that certainly is could be a factor. Uh, but you know, shareholders, you don't identify me through your shareholders. You're not going to have any. So it, business yeah. is all relational. That's why we're here. We're to identify, meet the needs of the stakeholders, and that's how the system works. And if you're, what are we? What are we here? We're here to serve. That's what we're here to do. And the better you do that, the stronger your business will be. Period. You know, yeah, it's kind of interesting, Jim. Um, we hadn't had a chance to catch up in a while, but for the audience's sake, you know, one of the great benefits that Vistage talks about and that I actually gained a lot of value from reading Jim's book. So I, I had an opportunity to be coached by Jim maybe five years ago, something like that, in a time in my life where I really needed it. And I, he really helped me you know, reevaluate myself as a leader. And looking at the servant leadership principles and, and really stepping back and making sure that 
I was doing the things that I needed to do to be a successful leader. And, and we don't always do those things. And it takes sometimes a coach or somebody from the outside to help point those things out to us. And I thought the book was a really, really good way to do that. It, it's a great story. It's a story that many of you out there in the audience will relate to because it's walking you through the life of someone. And it's a story, it's a fable that, that Jim used, but it just does a tremendous job of reminding all of us what it takes to be a great leader. It was kind of funny, Jim. I was on the phone the other day with a CEO, to your point a little bit earlier about servant leadership. And he took my call and we were visiting and he said, well, shoot me back an email. And I did. And his email back came back and said, you know, Gary, this just isn't a priority for me right now. And I didn't send it, but I, I wrote a, I did an Abraham Lincoln. I wrote an email and stuck it in my draft section. And basically what it says is, you know, this may sound harsh, but you know, when is a good time to work on your leadership skills? I mean, when, when, when would that be? Because the last 10 years of your business may have gone really well, but how do we make sure the next 10 years do? And I think it's incumbent upon us as leaders. I'm curious your input to really work on our skills every day and being a servant leader, emotional intelligence is one of the big ways. Yeah. And let's face it. I mean, leadership is character and action. That's all it is. I mean, leadership is doing the right thing, even when you don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it. I'm not sure it can be an act of leadership unless it, it costs you something. Well, it's the same with character. Character is simply leadership and action. Character is doing the right thing, even when you don't feel like it. So character, you know, that internal muscle, you know, winning those battles between what we want to do and what we should do, the muscle of character, that has to be worked. I mean, it, it is worked every day. So we have to get in the gym. I mean, you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotting. Pick one. Nothing nothing living stays the same. People tell me, well, I don't, I'm not changing that much, pretty much the way I was six months ago. I'm like, are you kidding me? This crazy world out here is moving by you at such a high rate of speed. By definition, you're going backwards. Right? Nothing living stays the same. Second law of thermodynamics. I mean, <laughs> the world is in a state of entropy. And it's the same with us as, 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 as human beings. I mean, we're either getting better or we're getting worse. So, I mean, I ask people, I say, well, do you believe in continuous improvement? Of course, everybody raises their hand. But the second question is, can you improve if you don't change? And the answer is no. So if you aren't out there throwing logs on a fire and getting better, then you are getting worse. So, so pick one. So it's the gym every day, winning the battles, being patient when you don't feel patient, being kind when you're not feeling very kind, learning how to listen better, giving appreciation, being more humble or more respectful having crucial conversations with people you probably should have had three years ago, right? Even though it's going to cost you something, they may be mad at you or may not want to have a beer with you tonight, right? It's doing the right thing and you got to build that muscle. And if you're not building it, it's getting flabby. Pick one. So leadership development, developing as a servant leader, man, the game's on every day. Every day you're making dozens and dozens of character choices, building or letting that muscle atrophy. Pick one. So the great servant leaders I know, Gary, they work very hard at it, and there's no finish line. They're on it every day. So the, the, the commitment that's required to be an effective human being and to be an effective servant leader is immense. But the rewards are also immense. You know, Jim, it's interesting. I had a couple conversations recently, one with a gentleman named Leo Batari, who wrote the book, The Power of Peers. It's all about why executive peer advisory groups are so effective. One of the probably foremost authorities in the world. And then I also had an opportunity to speak with David Hallfeld, who wrote the book, The Science of Selling, both very 
analytical guys, and we were talking about growth mindset and why that's so important. And Leo Batari was talking about why executive peer advisory groups work. And he, he used as an illustration or as an analogy sports. And he said, you know, if you look at the greatest sports franchises out there who are always in the playoffs or who always are in contention to win it all, he said, you know, at the end of the day, when you really sit down and look at the, those organizations, it's really not about the championship. The championship's just the reward for the behaviors that you exhibit. They get more focused and excited about their process of getting better. You know, Jerry Rice, for example, Jerry Rice didn't need to work the way he worked to be a successful receiver in the NFL. Clearly very talented, but he was so engaged in his process of getting better. As you mentioned, working hard at it, it became the actual end result was to get better every day. And how can I serve better? And as a result, had had great things happen. And it feels like that's similar to, to what leaders should be doing. Yeah, you know, I've been doing this about 35 years, Gary, getting old, dude. <laughs> I just had my 50th high school reunion last weekend. Wow. And uh, yeah, and you know, after all these years out there working with leaders, and I've, and I've the full spectrum from the, the, the worst you can imagine, command and control, when I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. I'm from Detroit. I mean, we are the home of neck down management, hands and legs and back, leave the rest of it home. To some of the best servant leaders, I mean, I've worked with some great people, the whole, the whole spectrum. I mean, the great one, there's only two kinds of leaders, Gary. There's serious and there's unserious. You know, everybody says they want to be a better leader. Every seminar I've ever taught, I mean, you know, how many of you want to be a better leader? The hands always go up. But, you know, most people don't really want to work that hard, Gary. It takes a lot of effort to be a great leader. You know, I'd like to have ripped abs, too, but I'm not willing to do the work. I'm not willing to get in the gym. And it's the same with character. It's the same with leadership. Most people say they want it. They don't really want it. They don't, they don't want to do the work that's necessary. And it takes a lot of effort every day and, and focus and, uh, you know, and, and learning and understanding exactly what leadership is. Most people don't even understand what it is, Gary. They think it's about being a good manager. I mean, you can be an awesome manager and a terrible leader. Well, the first thing you got to understand is what it is. It's influence. Can you inspire and influence your team to bring their A game to work every day? That's what it is, right? Can you be the conductor of the orchestra? Can you get the, can you get the team to play beautiful music together? You don't have to know how to play the tuba. You don't have to know how to play the French horn. That's their job. But you know how to get a group of diverse human beings to come together and play beautiful music together. That's the skill of leadership, being able to inspire and influence through your character because you inspire people by how you, how you roll, your personal character, your brand, your culture, your personal culture. So the great leaders, they, they understand first what leadership is. And they're learning, always learning more and more about what leadership is. But that's not enough. You can have all the head knowledge in the world. But if you don't get it into your heart and into your game, head to heart, heart to have it, it's just information. I mean, I know people who know all about leadership, Gary, don't know leadership. I'm not sure they've ever served a person a day in their life. You got to get this into your game. You don't become a better leader intellectually, reading books and watching PowerPoint slides. Any more than you get ripped abs reading books. You got to get in the gym and you got to practice, man. You got to do this stuff. So that's the first step is the foundation. You know, then you got to get some feedback. How am I doing against that high standard of servant leadership? And it's a high standard. What are you doing to get feedback? When's the last time you talked to your team? 
got some got some really good feedback. When's the last time you went home and ask your ask your spouse, what two things could I do to help you feel more loved by me? You know, how about some real data like that? First hand, ask your teenager, what two things could I do to be a better dad for you, a better mom? Right? Get some feedback. Get some, don't assume you know. Then once you get some feedback, you got to create a little friction in your life. You know, to your point about the peer review, I mean, groups work best. When you got people who are going to ask you questions and hold you to the fire, you know, you got nowhere to hide. So that foundation, understanding that feedback, getting some feedback about your gaps, where you need to grow, and then friction, creating a little bit of friction so you get serious about getting after your stuff because it's going to take a season or two. It's going to take some practice, and it's never going to – there's no finish line. So it serious and unserious, Gary, two kinds of leaders. And the ones who are serious do really well growing as leaders. The ones who aren't, it's just like anything else. You know, they they dabble in it, but very little movement. It's really interesting, Jim, you're talking about influence. I had Nito Cobain on the podcast a few weeks ago, one of my all-time favorite leadership experts. And for those in the audience who don't know who Nito is, Nito's in the International Speakers Hall of Fame. He came to the United States with $50 in his pocket, made millions of dollars as a professional lecturer on leadership, wrote multiple books. He's now the president of High Point University in North Carolina, where he's quadruple enrollment since he's been president, taking their their net assets from $56 million to a billion dollars. So he's one of these folks, as Jim mentioned, that didn't just write the books, but could actually do what he said in the books. And it was a really fascinating interview. And we were talking, he's very, very good friends with John C. Maxwell. And we were talking about an interview he had recently done with John. And in that interview, John had mentioned the same thing you did about leadership being influenced. And and John made the comment that, you know, if you think you're leading and you're really not doing it the right way and influencing, you're just taking a walk (laughs) because there's nobody behind you. Nobody's following you because you influence is the way to do that. And I asked Nito about that and he, he agreed with that, but he also was talking in the same vein of increasing the capacity of those around us, you know, that really good leaders do that. Do you think that's true? Gary, that's the test. In my opinion, the test of your leadership is when people leave you, are they better than when they arrive? I mean, that starts right in your home. When your children leave your home, are they ready? There's a crazy world out there, right? Are they prepared? Have you prepared them well? Have you helped them develop their character, right? Their judgment, their wisdom. Have you helped them? Well, it's the same with employees. The test is when people leave you, are they better than when they arrived? Do your people get promoted? Am I going to have a better career? Because I spent some time watching how you roll for a season or two. And I'm not talking about just, just technical competence, knowing how to do your job. I mean, that's only part of the battle. I tell leaders all the time, I presume you're confident. That's how you got promoted. That doesn't mean you're a good leader. It doesn't mean you're an effective human being. Just because you can do the job well doesn't mean you can inspire other people to do the job well. That's a completely different skill, right? So in the end, Gary, yeah, that's the test. The test of leadership is do you leave stuff better than when you found it? And that's and that, Gary, is why everybody's a leader. You know, people think that's just a throwaway line. Everybody's a leader. It's not a throwaway line. Why everybody influences people every day. Really, the question is not, are you a leader? Are you, are you effective or ineffective? Are you an effective human being or ineffective? Do you leave things better than you found them? Is your neighborhood going to be a better place because you live there? Is your church going to be a better place because you worship there, your company? And one quick story, uh, Gary. I, I saw Lou Holtz give a speech 30 years ago after he won the national championship at, uh, at Notre Dame. 
And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know, some of the greatest leaders we had on our team, greatest leaders we had on our team were kids that never even got on the playing field. Didn't have enough natural talent to get on the field, but they made our team so much better. They were the first ones on the practice field, last one out, first one in the weight room, last one out, pushing their teammates better, better, harder, harder, encouraging, building up. They made our team so much better. In a macro, Gary, you don't have to be the boss to be the leader. You do not. I mean, some of the great leaders I know are serving coffee on airplanes, cleaning out bedpans in hospitals, teaching your kids in school today. I mean, there's a lot of great servant leaders out there that aren't at the top of their organizations. So in the macro, everybody is a leader because, as Maxwell says, everybody influences people. But in the micro, some of us sign up for specific leadership roles where people have been entrusted to our care. I mean, right boss, right dad, right mom. I mean, if I'm your kid, I'm stuck with you for the rest of my life. If you're my boss, I spend half my waking hours in the bowels of my ship. So if you're a boss hole, I'm going to have a really bad job. I'm going to have a bad experience for a long time, right? So, I mean, the awesome responsibility of leadership, Gary, when people are entrusted to your care. Max Dupree used to say serious meddling in other people's lives. That's exactly what it is. And are people better because of their time spent with you? Yeah, it's such an awesome responsibility. It, it, it sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. And, and I want to end with this, Jim. So your book is great, but just as good as your book is your company's ability to come in and help leaders follow the principles of the book, The Servant, and, and to, to lead, as you said, in ways that make the organization better. If someone wanted to get a hold of you to learn more about how to get that training, how would they go about doing that? Well, uh, jameshunter.com, that's probably the simplest. Um, if they really, really want to understand the work, I would i would say probably my first book, The Servant. I've written three now, um, but probably starting with The Servant. And if that resonates, it's just a story. It's, you can read it in 90 minutes, but then if that resonates, they can move on. Uh, in terms of teaching, I have a course called The Servant Leadership Training Course. I think it's 20 bucks on Amazon, and it's three hours, maybe four that's a good way to get a feel about what it is and how we help people move it from head to heart and heart to habit, how we help people get it into the game. And really, that's the most important thing. Well, that's awesome. And I didn't know you had that on Amazon. That's a great way to put your toe in the water and get a feel for Jim's training and how it works. I've been fortunate to be in a company that had hired him and he really knows what he's talking about. And I just want to tell you how honored I am to spend this time with you. And, and I'm, I'm taking notes as I'm, I'm listening to you. There's always an opportunity for a learning lesson with Jim. Take care. Have a great day. And thanks for joining us today.